guys, it's me, Dr. Katz. And Mike LaHote. From Ribbons of Monroe. On our Almost Every Tuesday podcast. Almost Every Tuesday. <laughs> We're getting there. Sometimes it's two weeks, you yeah. know, but most of the time it's been one week. I think uh, we've done pretty good. I think so. Too. Considering how busy we are. Yes. Because this is important. Yes. So today's topic, we were thinking about having a little discussion on how to properly give bad news. Because I've, for the most part, determined that a lot of folks suck at it. So, and that that includes myself in a group as a physician, although I've worked at it really hard. (laughs) But, um, you know, just physicians in general, I think we could all use a little bit of a a heads up on how to do it a little better. There's no perfect way. No. Right, Mike? I'm no. not saying that there's a perfect way. But there there are better ways yeah. than others, right? So let's first talk about, you know, what the heck bad news means, right? right? Yes. So bad news to me, it's any information that you're going to have to give somebody that's going to significantly alter their perception of their future. Whether it's... Information about a chronic illness or whether it's some, you know, career changing injury or, you know, a trauma or diagnosis of cancer or something like that. Like those three categories. Those are all going to alter your perception of your future. Yes. You know, I realize bad news to an extent is subjective, but I think those three categories are pretty universal. (laughs) And you and I both have experienced all of them. All of them. Yes. All of them. So, you know, when it comes to delivering bad news, I think everyone's first thoughts go to the patient, right? Right. You know, like, oh, my God, what are they going to go through? But actually, I think we also need to take a step back, too, as speaking from the physician side, on what we go through. We have to take responsibility of and actualize what we're about to experience, too. Because, you know, for a physician, of course, you're nervous, Unless you're a cold fish, yeah. you know, you're nervous. You're you're almost kind of afraid to deliver the news because you don't know what kind of emotional reaction you're going to get. You don't know if there's going to be blame reflected back at oh, you. Absolutely. You know, you don't know if there's going to be anger. You're afraid you're going to blow it and show your own emotions, uh, that, you know, yeah. and act like you're taking something away from the patient, which, of course, none of us would intend to do. Right. But, you know, all these thoughts are going through your head that you really have to get a handle on, Mm -hmm. you know, before you even open your mouth. Yeah, I always thought that the the physician had the hardest, that was probably one of the hardest things they'd ever have to do because you you see it day after day after day and, and you're somewhat emotionally involved with each one of your patients or you're not really, you know, I would say a good... At what you do because you want to be compassionate, but at the same time you can't you can't deal with all those things every day with every patient as well. So no, you can't. Uh, yeah, so you have to build up some sort of a, um, a I don't want to say a barrier, but a wall to protect yourself from just that's being, true. It, just being just, crazy. There has to be emotional. some preparation. You just can't go in a room and blurt stuff no, out to somebody. No. There's just no. Mm-mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you just can't. So, you know, this is an interesting fact I just want to bring up. So Baylor University, you know, we all love Baylor University Mm -hmm. in Texas, right? I follow a lot of their studies. Yeah, right. So uh, back in 2016, 
they did a survey type study mm-hmm. of all their medical personnel, right? Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to find out if they should add extra didactics, you know, lectures specifically geared towards delivering bad news mm-hmm. to a patient, right? And so they found out that 91% of their medical staff and personnel thought that having the ability to give bad news you know, reasonably well was really important. Yeah. 91%, right? Yeah. Guess what percent thought they could actually do it or had enough training to do it? Oh, probably half of that. Yeah, not even, like 40%. Oh, my gosh. So it was like, whoa, all right. So needless to say, they developed some stuff after yep. that. But for the rest of us in the country, I bet that percentage is, is remarkably similar. Oh, yeah. You know, even though we didn't put it in a formal study. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can say for myself, I didn't receive any specific training on how to give bad news. Yeah. You know, medical school and residency may have thought that they did, but no. No, that's something I learned on my own. And I will tell you that a lot of what I have learned is from being a patient so many times, especially this most recent time with the cancer. But I've had lots of health issues. I've had lots of surgeries. I've had lots of emergencies happen. I've had lots of potential life-ending things happen. And that's really where I've learned what not to do yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what to do. And that's really funny. You know, that, trying to turn it around. You bring that up because um, that is one of the reasons, one of the motivating things that um, factors that I start, why I started this was because um, the patients don't, they're not necessarily... Uh, receiving bad news well, you know? No, um, exactly. No matter how the, the physician presents it to them, I know myself personally, some of the stuff that we talked about, some of the things that um, that I learned, I didn't even remember after, you know... A, oh, heck yeah. Yeah, after it leaving all the office. It almost passed you. Right. I mean, not everybody's a weirdo like me, and when I finally got a diagnosis, I was like, I knew it because yeah. I'd been pushing so hard. Right. That's not normal, guys. That's not the usual. Yeah. <laughs> Most people are like, oh, my God, what did you just say? Me, I was like, aha, you know, yep. vindication. I think that says more about me than what the doctor was up to. But, you know, <laughs> but this is a good just topic. admitting it, though. It's a good topic because it, it, hopefully we're going to be able to be more aware as as patients and we'll be able to communicate some of the things that we learn um, and experience in that to the medical um but remember, too, you know, and this applies to all areas of bad news. Bad oh, sure. news to an employee or yeah. a friend or whatever. So let's talk about some do's and don'ts, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the do's first, mm-hmm. right? Make sure if you're having to give news that's sensitive like that, you got a private setting mm-hmm. that you're going to minimize interruptions. Don't be talking in a crowd or yelling across the room or... You know, or for me as a physician, if I'm giving bad news, I put a sign outside my door like, do not interrupt conversation in progress. I don't say what it is, of course, but to discourage any knocking on the door or opening or interruptions. Mm -hmm. Because you can't look at someone and be like, excuse me, I know we were just talking about your cancer, but hang on. Yes, you just just can't do it. Don't do it. Minimizing interruptions. That's why we do by appointment only exactly. most of the time here. So yes, so that, that person has their own complete time. In, intimate, personal time, yes. I would say another do is make eye contact. Mm-hmm. Don't look down at the floor or at your shoes or over the patient or kind of through them. Right. They need to know that you are their sole focus of attention yeah, good point. at that moment. You know, Here's the other thing that I'm always trying to keep in mind. 
is check your emotions before you start talking. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the story doesn't all become about you when it's actually the other person's news that you're delivering to them. Right. You know, it's that's hard to do. And also, too, you know, make sure you're ready before you go in. Like, if you're a person who's having to give medical news, get your facts straight. Get your stats straight. That doesn't mean bombard the patient with all of them. That just means be ready so you can back up what you're saying Mm -hmm. if the patient feels good enough to ask a bunch of questions. You know, don't leave them hanging after a one statement of news and then, well, I don't know anything more than that. You know? And this is the thing that I think we forget the most. So like from the physician standpoint, we start getting nervous. We want to tell them the news and then immediately go into like all these positive statistics and encouraging things Uh and whatnot. No, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Like give your diagnosis and shut up. Let them them be the next one to speak. Because if you think about it, having the option to speak next might be one of the only decisions that that person gets to make with any kind of certainty for for months. Yeah. You know, even if just the decision to be able to say what comes out of their mouth next. Mm-hmm. Plus when you do that and you let them talk also, you know, you don't just talk through them. And I'm not even going to say over them. I really mean like through yeah. them. Like you're trying to get through them and out out the door yeah, again. Yeah. Then you can also get a gauge of what they actually want to know. Mm-hmm. Although I would hope you don't actually have to use that tool because I would hope that you would already know the person you're speaking to well enough to know what they'd be ready to handle. Yeah. That's that's a key part too. Knowing what the person you're giving the news to is actually ready to handle or might want to hear. Mm-hmm. I always think too, it's a good idea to have family around depending on what the news is, especially if it's medical news. So that there's more than one set of ears in there. So when the overwhelmed person getting the news hears it and it just washes over them like a tidal wave and they yeah. get nothing, maybe else. the family member could hang on to that. Mm-hmm. Some other one, another person that's heard it also. So, like Mike, from a patient perspective, and for me too. So what? What would? How? <laughs> nobody likes to get bad news, obviously. Right. Right. What would be some of your preferences? For how someone could give you bad news. I was really impressed with the way my oncologist handled it. She was just straightforward. There was no, um, you know, and she was direct. And it's a matter of fact, this is what we're going to have to do. This is what I see in your test results. And, and you know, some people might not like that kind of a um, direct approach. But, you know, coming from my background, I was, you know, being a business owner and and um, that sort of thing, I I had to make decisions and and do things um, directly like that. And so I appreciated that kind of um, input right away. And then, again, like you say, she let me talk a while. And, and I try to do that here whenever someone comes in after their diagnosis or even during their treatment. Um, they might come in for some information. Uh, and they'll talk for half hour, 45 minutes, and, and I've learned, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on it, I'm a work in progress, uh, but I, I've learned to just be quiet. Just let them, yep. just let them get rid of all that anxiety and all that stress and all that emotion. And um, and then that's hard for me sometimes too, because I'm, I'm like you say, I have to take myself out of it. I have to be like yep. fly on the wall. <clears throat> and every now and then, 
And uh, every now and then I wind up taking a couple days off just because there is such a thing as called compassion fatigue. And so you hear all these stories, all these um, uh, heartbreaking things about people with their diagnosis. And and you, it does affect you. If it doesn't affect you, then you're in the wrong place because right. because that's what we're here for is to is to be that um, that sounding board or that that uh, that bridge or gap um, fill that gap with support and services. So, you know, it's interesting that you said that you preferred more blunt approach because yep. that's actually one of the things that they tell us not to do. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? No, it's funny. <laughs> It's like, don't be too blunt, you know, be empathetic, but don't well, say yeah. that you understand. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. But I, I don't mind direct either, you know, because one of the things you shouldn't do under the don't list is beat around the bush. Right. Well, you know, so it's like, well, which one, me, you know, which one? That gave me the impression that she had a handle on it. Exactly. You know? I've got, I've got this under control and that gave me confidence to just ease back and not try to second guess what she was doing or saying or whatever. Well, and part of the dis- deciding on the strategy, either more blunt or, mm-hmm. or softer, goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about you have to know, know your person. patient yeah. and have some idea of what they're ready. Yeah. And you also have to know what their perception is of what you're about to tell them. Do they have any kind of clue? Are you just about to broadside them? Or are you just about to broadside them just yeah. out of nowhere? Exactly. You know, you want to, I always say that you should fire off a warning shot before you get talking, you (laughs) know, that like, hey, I got to talk about some tough stuff with you. Something so they can set their mind just a little before you get going. ease into it. Right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So then maybe we should talk about the don'ts now. Here's here's what not to do when you're given bad news, right? Don't look at the floor. Don't look at your shoes. Don't spill out your own emotions to the patient as you're trying to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between empathizing, you know, telling a person, I I just hate that this is happening to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish it I wish it weren't versus and then I have this experience and you're you know, you're <laughs> yeah. crying at him as you're telling them bad news. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. It's not about you at the moment. Right. That's like it is, but it isn't. It's not about you that you have the opportunity to express that, in my opinion. Uh-huh. You know, and again, with the as far as the do's that we already talked about, a don't would be, yeah, don't don't yell to somebody something bad in a crowded room. Make sure they've got one-on-one attention. Yeah. You know, look them in the eye. Don't fidget. Don't don't overload them with information like we we're talking about. Make uh-huh. sure you know that you let them talk. Yeah. You know, so. There is a good acronym for all of this. It's called the SPIKES protocol. Oh, okay. Again, another another Texas favorite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> developed back in 2010, actually. Originally used in like an oncology nursing setting, mm-hmm. but it was specifically geared towards giving bad news to cancer patients. And so the acronym is SPIKES, S-P-I-K-E-S. And the S stands for the setting. So like I said, private setting, one-on-one, you know, minimize interruptions. P is for perception. So how much does the patient really know about what's going to happen? What do they think is going on as you're about to sit down? Invitation or information. How much information does the patient already have? Do they really want to talk to you right now? You know, knowledge, make sure your ducks are in a row with all your facts and everything that you can possibly know before you start talking to them. And that also includes knowing about your patient. Mm 
mm-hmm. knowing your patient well. Emotions and empathy, we talked about that. Yeah. You know, maybe checking your own emotions, but being empathetic to the patient that, like, this is awful, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And then you alluded to this very quickly that one of the things that you liked was that there was a strategy yeah. at the end of your conversation. Yeah. So. The last component, S, strategy and summarizing. Putting the information together for the patient in a fashion that they can take it in. Yeah. And then having some kind of plan to get started. Yep. I agree. It was like, boy, this sucks, but here's how we're going to fix it. Or right. Or we're going to attempt to, yeah. Right. Here, here's how we're going to manage it. Even if it is, here's how we're going to manage it, not fix it, not yeah. cure it. Right. Here's how we're going to manage it. Yeah. Here's what I want to do with you as a team. And this here's a component that they don't mention, but I think it's a component. So we're going to add a T on there, you know, spikes, <laughs> which is team, team concept. Yes. Because I think that the least – that you put in a patient's head that they are a victim Correct. and have no control, the better. Correct. I agree. I tell people, one of the very first conversations that I have with people when I'm giving them news I don't want to give them mm-hmm. is we talk about getting pumped up. We talk about getting empowered. And they look at me like I am on another planet or mm-hmm. like got my head up my butt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, this is what I mean. I mean, let's get your mind ready to do this. Let's get your mind ready to say, okay, I'm going to take control of what I possibly could take control of. And believe you me, I will help that person find that thing, even if it's tying their shoes right one day, Yeah. in order to power up, to prepare, to think like you're going to get through. Yeah. You know, that empowerment part is not in the spikes, but I think it's important. <laughs> but I like it. The team. The team. And that's, spikes. <laughs> and that's the role we play, isn't it? It is. We are Part here. of the team. Yes, yes. We we are that backup uh, team that um, we and we even provide services and support for the caregivers as well and and the friends members. and the yeah. families everybody everybody because they're all involved everybody's involved in this yep. and so and same thing with chemo peeps too we got people all over the world messaging yeah you know with stuff yeah, that, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have 10,000 followers on our on our podcast. So this ah, is really that's so I awesome! This I'm is so really excited getting some traction. So so it is traction for good. And almost good every time we stop podcasting, the phone rings within oh, yeah. five minutes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And moreover, I love the change in the voice, the change in the mannerism once we're done talking with somebody. Yes, you know. It's just even sometimes a conversation can be so instrumental. But knowing you're not alone thing. Because there is something isolating also about bad news, isn't it? No matter what it is. You feel it's only you. The football player who's now had their tibia crushed and never going to be able to put it back together again. Well, they're the only one this is happening to. Or the person diagnosed with cancer. Or, you know, the terrible news at work. Like your career is done. Your job is over. Mm -hmm. And you swear that you're the only one in that whole world at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's just normal. Yep. Well... I think we kind of beat that up pretty good. (laughs) That's all good stuff. And that's why we're here, to to be that that safety net kind of and and information and education. And support. And support and help you find services that you need, whatever it is, um, and just be be there for everyone. So everybody have a fantastic day. Power up. Yes. You know, advocate for yourself. Be a part of your own team.
That's the big message. Have a great day. See ya. Bye.